Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Our next comedian coming to the stage is Dope, and I love her. She has written for the Chris Gathard Show. Please put your hands together for Joe Firestone. Hey, Will. (laughs) Joe Firestone is an extremely funny comedian and television show writer currently based in Brooklyn, New York. Originally from St. Louis, Joe has written and performed for The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon, The Chris Gethard Show, Joe Para Talks With You, and she has also appeared on Dr. Game Show. Her excellent debut stand-up album, The Hits, features on-stage musical accompaniment by Will Butler of Arcade Fire, and it was released by Comedy Central on August 10th, 2018. I recently saw Joe perform an excellent set at Toronto's JFL 42 Comedy Festival, and about a week later, she and I connected for a nice talk about crowd work, her dad's popular puns night in New York, working with Will Butler, her approach to comedy and life, and much, much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in, in Hamilton. This is the 432nd episode of Creative Control, featuring the brilliant and hilarious Joe Firestone, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Thank you. Uh, how's everyone doing? Yeah, so this is Will Butler. Uh, Will's gonna be playing. Will's, Will's gonna be playing some songs. Um, it's gonna be kind of like uh, This American Life. Um, you know how they play songs whenever, and so uh, it's gonna be kind of like that, like yeah, or like <laughs> yeah. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good, Vish. How are you? I'm very well. It's nice to speak with you. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Now, how long have you been in Brooklyn, New York uh, as a person? Is that where you're from? No, I'm from St. Louis, uh, Missouri. But I've been here for eight years, I think. Eight years? Okay. Uh-huh. So before it became a hotbed for people to make gentrification jokes, or around the same time? Around the same time, Right, yeah. okay. And yes, I recall now that you mentioned St. Louis, that in your on your latest uh, album, uh, The Hits, which, by the way, I love. I love The Hits. Oh, it's, I'm it's, so glad it's, you love The Hits. It's so great. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I believe you allude to the fact that you're from the Midwest. Uh, so that just came to me as you, as you mentioned St. Louis. What was your life like in St. Louis? Oh, you know, it was all right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a smaller city. Um, I started doing comedy there, and then I moved to New York. So, do the math. I'm so old, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it it's a it's a unique town. But I I have a lot of love for it. Now, did you ever uh, see or encounter uh, a disgraced late rock and roller Chuck Berry perform in St. Louis? No, I never got out, but he did perform once a month. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. At Blueberry Hill. 
But you never, you never made, not a fan. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, he's a difficult person to be a fan of as a human being. But I always, uh, when I was younger, anyway, before the allegations really got really serious, I always wanted to make a trek down there because I thought he kind of started rock music on, on a lot of levels. So I wanted to go see him. But you just never, never thought to go see him. It it was always pretty hard to get tickets, and I'm not one that's uh, going to be too aggressive in any kind of capacity. So that. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of self-selecting, I would say. Okay, okay. It has nothing to do with him as a as a person necessarily. But was he revered in St. Louis? He was revered in St. Louis, okay. yeah. Yeah, he lived there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So he, he was from there. He's from there and he lived there. Okay, that's cool. Now, you and I uh, had a uh, sort of an encounter uh, in Toronto at uh, when you were here for JFL 42. Do you know uh, to which I'm speaking? No. <laughs> okay. Let, let me let me paint a picture for you. That's fine. Okay. I'm I'm not offended by this at all. I mean, I know you were in the audience. I saw you there. Yes, you did. You saw me there. That's how do you well how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, because I watched Moses' set. Right. Okay, so you do know what I'm referring to. You, well you, we we hadn't met. I've never met you as far as I know, have I? No, no. I don't think so. Okay. We have I feel like we might have some mutual friends uh in I the, hope so. In the <laughs> <laughs> that's a hope you have <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's nice to <laughs> do you not have world <laughs> peace mutual friends with me <laughs> no uh so the paint the picture uh, uh moses storm uh, by yeah that's his name right moses yes. Storm. that's his name what an amazing name what a name uh he uh, was doing a set and he suggested there be a one-on-one portion of the set and then he he was asking for someone from the audience to join him, and I happened to be in the first row. No one, would you agree that no one else seemed to be willing to do that at that point? Yeah, I would also question, so do you, when you review things, do you always sit in the front row? No, I hap- I live in Guelph, Ontario, and I drove to Toronto, and I somehow made, normally, uh, as you probably are, are familiar with traffic, it's very difficult to get anywhere in your car uh, these sure. days. There's just a lot of cars, a lot of people. Somehow I made such great time that I was at the garrison uh, early, and so uh, I was one of the first people they let in, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll sit. And I had to run to see uh, Neil Brennan, who, by the way, Moses opened for. I saw Moses open two shows and one in like the span of two hours, which I thought was weird. (laughs) So anyway, I had to run to Neil Brennan after I knew this, because as you say, I was reviewing shows. But so I thought, you know, maybe I should sit in the aisle in case I have to duck out early. But in the end, I didn't. I just decided, you know what? Why not sit in the front row? My wife hates it when it's a GA thing. I'm like, let's go to the closer. She said, no, I don't. I'm fine back here. You don't you wouldn't have gone to the front. You would have stayed back. Is that what you're saying? You think At a weird? comedy show, I think I question intensely the people that sit in the front. Oh, because uh, because they're going to draw attention to themselves from the comedians? No. Oh. No. I mean, just because I think not that they're going to draw attention to themselves, that the, that the comedians will sick them. Oh, exactly. Well, okay, sure. Right. The comedians will go after them. I don't. I, this has never happened to me before. I, I didn't. No. Even, I didn't even think of that. I just thought, why? I wouldn't it be weirder to be the first person at a thing and then sit not as close? Like I felt like I'd seem more uh, kind of strange if I sat at the back and I was the only one in the room. I mean, eventually, sure. eventually, more people came in, and I thought, well, why not just sit at the front? I, it, I, why not? So I, I did. I, it, in retrospect, it seemed a bit odd. I see your point, but I also think the opposite could be true. Like, why sit at the sure. back? Anyway, so he pulls sure. he pulls me on stage, and he does like a one-on-one comedy bit. And at one point, he asked he asked me what I did for a living, and I, I told him, I, uh, among other things, I re- review comedy shows. <laughs> which, did, you, did you think that was strange? I thought that was very funny. Okay. <laughs> what if... <laughs> <laughs> and then anyway, he I think he, he did his set, and then you went on, and you did kind of similar, uh, uh, eventually a, a similar thing. Is that something you would normally do is bring someone on stage? Yeah, yeah. I'd try to bring someone on stage during these shows. Like a one-on-one thing? like like. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I could ever do what he does, though, which is a one-on-one stand-up. I hate to see people's reaction when I do stand-up, but I, if it's a conversation, I can talk to them. Right. So you see me in the front row when it's your turn to bring someone up, and you say, don't worry, I'm not asking you. And I hope you're enjoying the show, which I thought was pretty funny. I, I did end up enjoying the show very much. and uh, Oh, good. It was great. But you do have a, a relationship with crowd work that I, I, I quite admire. It's a big part of your shows, right? Yeah, I like the crowd work. 
Now, what, what is it about the crowd work? You, you seem to, I, I said uh, in a review that you, you, you conjure things out of nowhere. And I, I find that a lot of comedians engage in crowd work, but I'm particularly uh, enamored of how you do it. How would you describe your approach to crowd oh, work? That's very nice. Well, I, I don't think it, I'm, I, that's very nice of you to say, but I don't think it comes, it's, Basically, I really do think everybody is pretty funny, but they just don't know how to couch it in a joke. Mm. Like, I, I think that everybody, if if they're extremely comfortable or extremely uncomfortable, can achieve a pretty pretty high status of funny. But it just, it, they just don't know it yet. Oh, I see. Okay. So you're trying to so draw, it, draw that out of them. Yeah. But it doesn't take, it doesn't take much. It's just... You just have to ask specific enough questions, like the right questions, and you can get pretty much anybody. You can find out that anybody's pretty funny because everybody's got really weird habits and things that they do without questioning it. And then if you like if you just bring it out, people are like either people recognize how strange it is because they do it themselves or they are so weirded out that it's it's funny. So I feel like just talking people are generally pretty funny. I assume there are comedians who that kind of work, the crowd work that you do, that would be out of their comfort zone. They've written a set, they've performed a set, they know the set. Is it true? To, to tell me if this is maybe incorrect. I don't know if this is incorrect necessarily, but crowd work is kind of no man's land, isn't it? You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, no, it uh, for sure. Like even in Toronto, I did four of those bigger shows like the co-headlining shows and the the third to last the third show was with this guy named Kenny and he was this amazing man in his 50s and he was so positive and for lunch all he ate was um brisket on a plate and he was like so amazing he was so positive he made eight friends in the crowd already before the show started he was really incredible and like everybody loved Kenny and people were like whisper chanting Kenny's name. It was beautiful. (laughs) But then the next night I talked to a guy named, uh, well, I won't even say, but he was, um, I asked him his name and he said his name was sexy and I knew we were off to a rough start and it really did feel like we were in a two person improv troupe called hell. It was, it was a, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I brought it upon myself. I knew that it was all my fault, but it was like, you just don't know what's going to happen. See, I appreciate what you're saying, that, that you think everybody is funny, but it's a bit of a landmine when you engage at a comedy. There is a, I think, and by the way, I, I totally put myself, by, I, I feel like I didn't even do anything with Moses. I have to say, I, 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 sh- I thought I showed a lot of restraint because I do feel like if you're pulled into a situation like you pull people into, they will try to be funny. And like you say, the guy says his name is sexy. That is that a problem? Is that, I know you engage with people like this, but is that difficult for you when someone thinks they're funnier than maybe they are? Well, I think it's just it's hard to be on stage. And I think people get really nervous. And I think that you could say all kinds of things that you don't really wouldn't normally say. Yeah. And so it's kind of like figuring out a way to put them at ease as quickly as possible. And if not, if they don't want to be at ease, then figuring out a way to meet them at their discomfort. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And you, I think uh, one of the things I admire about your approach to uh, uh, to crowd work. Uh, by the way, are you okay with that term? That's the term we yeah, use. Yeah, no, that's cool. Is that what you describe it as? It is. It sure, is, it's I'd inter- say it's crowd work. It's crowd work. Crowd, it's, p- crowd play. <laughs> crowd, crowd play. You walk the line, I think, between uh, you know, with within finding the humor with between you know, I th- I'd say humiliation. I'd say uh, <laughs> empathy. You know, because people <laughs> at our show, the one that I was at, there was a fellow who told because you you seem to be. Asking people a few different questions consistently. One, which movie they'd seen recently, and the other was uh, basically, "What did you eat for lunch?" Would you agree? You encountered a kind of difficult situation at the show we were both at together, where the fellow said he'd eaten nothing for lunch. Do you remember right. this? Yes. Right. So, is is that is that difficult for you when you when you encounter someone who's giving you nothing and you you want to kind of take them down? You, I felt like you were close. You. Do you feel like you took that person down or do you feel like you helped him along? 
I don't want to take him down. I hope I didn't take him down. <laughs> I really don't have any like interest in slamming audience members. I feel like that feels bad for me. That's not really in my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, like even when people are like, like, uh, like there's like I've had some <laughs> kind of terrible hecklers that have been pretty pretty awful and oh the whole run the whole gamut of the you know sexist and just terrible and and it's it's still even like kind of slamming them feels bad it doesn't feel because they did they are coming to this show willingly and it's like they sure they're humiliating themselves but like do i have to add on to it is it necessary like i don't know it's a weird thing to like be a weaker person with a louder microphone sure (laughs) like sure because like the minute you get off stage you don't know what could happen is like if you're that's the thing. Oh, you mean like there's a certain amount of protection while you're on stage with the microphone, but yeah. then you get off. Okay, I see. Yeah, that's that's not something. That's true. There is a history of comedians uh, getting into some kind of altercation with someone they've engaged with uh, while they're doing their act. I guess that's yeah. True. Right. So has that ever happened to you? Anything close to that? Um, I've had some. I've had some. Uh, I've had some interesting interactions that I. Hope don't happen again, for sure. Okay, okay. I just, I, yeah, I don't want to unpack any uh, horrible (laughs) memories, but I I wondered if there was anything amusing that might have happened where uh, someone might have said, uh, you know, you called me on that thing, and now I've learned something about myself. (laughs) No, thank you very much. Thank you. Never ever. No, it's always it always goes wrong. So you, you've did you say you've uh, you've been living in Brooklyn uh, for eight years? How long have you been uh, performing as a stand-up? I will admit. As engaged I am with the world of stand-up, I, I'd say you are new in my world. Uh, if if I can say that you are in my That's world, but uh, sure, yeah, uh, you are somewhat uh, new to uh, to to me. And I, I just wonder, sort of, where you came from, how long you've been doing this, how how you got into it, uh, maybe uh, within that influences. You know, what spurred you on? Uh, that's a lot of questions at the same time. Sure. But I feel like we're we're at a, a level now where we're comfortable. We understand how each other talk. I tend to sure. blather on and on. Can you speak to anything? <laughs> anything I just uh, said? Uh, well, I have uh, been doing stand up for I think uh, maybe eight years. I think. And um, wait a minute. So since you've moved to New York? Yes. So wait, wait a minute. Why did you move to New York per se? To do comedy. You strictly you left St. Louis to you thought I better go to the mecca of stand up. Well, I was doing I, I was doing this thing where I was putting on these weird shows and we like these weird like uh, theme shows, and then I was doing this play with my friend Dylan Marin, and he lived in New York, and he said, "Move to New York. We'll do this play together." And so I moved to New York, and we did it. Oh, and I then, see. I see. Okay. Yeah. And what were some of the themes in your weird theme show? Uh, like I did this, put on this pun competition with my dad, and we did like I did like a an inner beauty pageant, and I did like a, <laughs> let's see what there's a lot of stuff like that. Where it's this, I did one thing called motherfucking bingo, which was like this bingo night from hell. There was like a. Um, what else? There was I think that it ended up being like eighty shows. It was. Yeah, I was on a roll for a while, and okay. now I don't do that anymore. I'm too tired. And so you, you say you did a, you said a lot of things there that intrigued me, but among them, you did a, did you say a pun competition with your dad? Is that what you said? Yeah, so my dad now runs this pun competition in Brooklyn called Punderdome 3000. Wait a minute, do your parents now live in Brooklyn as well? No, my dad flies in for it. He fl- how, often, how often does he come in for this pun competition? Once a month, except in winter. Okay, okay. Winter he's off. So is this a popular thing? Yeah, okay. yeah, he's got a big following. So can I don't I don't mean to just to make this all about your dad. By the way, can no, we, that's can we get him on the can we get him on a conference on this? That would be fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, sorry. Uh, what what is a pun competition run by your father kind of uh, look like? Sound like? So people get like a a topic, and they get pun nicknames, and they like the pun also rises or. Panda Express or something like that. Okay. And they get um they get uh like ninety no, they get two minutes on the clock to come up with as many puns as possible based on a topic and then they deliver them in ninety seconds and then the crowd votes on who they like the best with a clapometer and there's like mystery prizes at the end. It's pretty wild. Wow, that sounds pretty uh 
pretty fantastic. Do you feel like as an art form, uh, puns are a little punderated? Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to engage. I, I didn't. I, that just happened out of my. No. Do you feel like it's not an, a, a well appreciated art form? Is it? Is no. It... I think it's plenty. Of, I think it has plenty of appreciation within its own circles. We don't need to feel bad for puns. I, um, if I like, I um. I think I've heard more puns in my life than I ever need to. Well, ever. they seem to be that whenever I make a pun, uh, some to someone I know, they'll say, "Oh man, you're, you're being that's such a dad joke," because they know I'm a dad because I have kids. Mm-hmm. I think, but then I thought about <laughs> it, and I feel like I've always made. Uh, no, I think I would have made that joke uh, before making children. I think maybe I always <laughs> made dad jokes. Now, it just it's just, that's just my sense of humor. So, do you think that puns are that you say your dad? This is, uh, I feel like I'm, the answer is evident based on everything we've just uncovered, but do you think puns are the domain of, of dad joke uh, purveyors? Well, um, like, do you think it's limited to dads? Well, I don't think it's limited to dad, but I do find whenever I make, a, I do find that whenever people make puns and they're men, someone will be like, oh man, that's such a dad joke. I, I don't know why sure. that is. Because they're a bit corny, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That's it, right? I answered the question myself. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so your father has a, a good sense of humor uh, by the sounds of it. Uh, so yes. was he a, a comedic influence for you? No, but um, <laughs> but yeah, he's funny. <laughs> he's oh, He wasn't? Like, was your family funny? Uh, my family's funny. I, they, they are pretty funny, but um, they're all very funny in their own ways. They're like, it's like a bunch of characters. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, but it's not like a a big like. Let me make a joke. Let me make a joke. Family. Like it. We, do you ever play Balderdash? I I've uh I have played it. Yeah. So basically, what it is is like this game where you create a definition for a word nobody knows, and people vote on what they think the definition is. And when we play it with my family, it's like you can tell so easily who wrote what. It's right. like everybody is a very distinct character. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So it's that kind of family. But you're saying. Your family life wasn't necessarily uh, an incentive or an influence on you uh, uh, pursuing comedy. No, uh, no. Not at all. Okay, so what was it? What exactly made you think I, I'm going to go try this? I don't know. Well, I think I. Well, I think like um, like whenever I felt really bad, I've like lo- looked to comedy. Before I did it, I would look to comedy and feel better. Like, it would just make me feel better. And it was, like, kind of the only thing that made me feel better. And I was like, I think that's such a cool thing that, like, you can just get on stage and make people feel better. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily that that is altruistic or, like, that that is, like, what I'm doing in the in the even, like, in the smallest degree. Because I feel like you have to get so good to do that. But I that is kind of, like, a that's what got me into it. Which was, like, this kind of thing where it's like, oh, you can... You can genuinely make people happy for a little bit. Do you have a, a perspective on your approach and, I guess, attack and style of comedy when you got to Brooklyn versus where you're at now? I mean, I see you. Uh, I, I listen to your record. I've, I've seen you perform. I, you are, I think. I think it's in you. I think like comedy is just in you. I, that's my feel. Oh. There's certain people that I have... Again, this is just for what it's worth. I'm just a, uh, I, I'm just a dad in Guelph, Ontario. But <laughs> you know, I don't know anything. But I, I will say, I, I feel like I encounter certain people where the comedy, uh, the, the comedic impulses just seem to run through them a little bit. I feel like you're this person. Like if you're in a room, you're going to be the funniest person in the room. That's my feeling. Oh, that's very nice. That's definitely not true. But I, I appreciate that. That's well, very nice. Well, I feel. I, I don't mean to simply gush. I just that's my vi- that's the vibe I pick up on. So I want, and I know I just from being a human being uh, that people work on this. People spend a lot of time getting to this point where it, it feels it looks effortless and easy. Um, which again, I think, speaks to the impulse that an audience member might have to be like, "I can be funny in the moment with this person," but really, <laughs> it's you know, I can see where you may have came from. So, to speak to my question, do you have a sense of that? Do you have a sense of where you were when you started eight years ago to where you're at now, and maybe what has uh, spurred on this? If if there was an evolution, or if you were just the funniest person in the room from the get go, as I say, uh... <laughs> no, definitely not. I I think that I just I think I was a lot worse and I have gotten better. I know that much is true because mm-hmm. I was pretty, pretty bad before when I started, but like, um, 
uh, I don't know. I think that maybe like there's like things like you're more confident doing things, certain things. You kind of know what will fail a little easier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think necessarily like um, my sense of humor has changed or like anything like that since since doing this. But the confidence thing is a major component to being, yeah. being an effective comedian, right? Yes. Oh, for sure. Right. I think it's probably eighty-five percent confidence. Right. <laughs> and then what? What's the other break? What what happens to the fifteen percent by your jokes? It's just, jokes. just jokes and confidence. Okay. So when you started, uh, as we are prone to do when we we enter a realm that we're fascinated by and want to be a part of, uh, your influences shine through maybe a, a little more prominently when you begin. Um, yeah. Because they're your roadmap. Did you have? We talked about. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. About how your father uh, was not an influence on your life in, in any way, uh, <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> barely raised you by the sounds no, of No, barely, barely, yeah. <laughs> Never <laughs> talked to me, didn't know my name. You said you escaped to comedy to make yourself yes. feel better. Who, who did you escape to? Um, I really like early Ellen DeGeneres a lot. Um, I don't... I don't uh, I uh, let's see who else I really liked. I love Mitch Hedberg uh, so much. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think I am at all like these people and could never do what they do. But um, yeah, I really. Um, that's the trap of talking about your influences, I suppose. I know people say, know, "Oh, like, okay, that's where you're." Oh, now I get it. Right? I didn't. Mean yeah, to, I didn't mean to do that to you, but I mean, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I can tell you that for for me doing this show. Walter Cronkite, huge influence. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that's true, actually. But no, I, I, I do think. Uh, I, you know, Ellen is an interesting figure. I think also Janine Garofalo is like such an inspiration. Unbelievable, unbelievable comedian, and and yeah. Do you have uh, aspirate? She is also a wondrous actress, actor. Uh, just, She's amazing. Just like the best. Uh, remember uh, her in Copland? Did you ever see that movie with uh, no. Sylvester Stallone? It was like considered Stallone's kind of comeback because it was actually a, a normal, not normal, but it was an intense acting role. He wasn't, you know, uh, a muscle guy or whatever. Anyway, Janine Garofalo had, I feel like she was nominated for a bunch of like supporting actress awards because people are like, holy crap. But I'm a huge Larry Sanders show fan. Did you ever watch that? Oh, show? my God. She's so good in that. Yeah. And, and I just thought she was incredible. And, that, and the Ben Stiller show, like I've been a Janine Garofalo fan for a long time. And uh, she's unbelievable. So I, that's great. Do you have acting aspirations, by the way? Uh, you know, I think it's kind of like if an acting role comes along, I'm not going to say no, but I don't think it's going to be the path that I'm destined to be doing. Have you, have you uh, acted in things uh, already that we might know beyond, uh, your, beyond your stand-up and, and, and all your yeah. work? Yeah. I was in this uh, first season of um, Joe Parra Talks With You on oh. Adult Swim. Okay. And um, I've done uh, some bits for The Tonight Show. And um, let's see, where else could you see me? I was in Search Party this season. 
do a little, little bits here and there. Are you mystified that people are coming to you with acting roles as a comedian? I feel like we go to comedians, we, not me, I, I have no power, but people go to comedians <laughs> to be in films because they assume they can do it. Were you ever like, uh, uh, okay, like, did you do, do you have any acting background, in fact? Uh, I studied theater, but I don't know if that translates so much because with TV acting, it's like really fast, but also you like, it's it's a kind of a I I have been I'm still learning how to do it. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate you d- describing you know I guess foundational things. Uh, but within that eight year span, do you have a sense of uh, a time or a point where it clicked for you, where you're like, oh, okay, I I, I know uh, we're always learning, uh, we're always uh, improving. But did you did, was there a moment where either someone said something or something happened where you're like, I yeah. I I think I can do this. I mean, you've turned <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, that I'm still waiting for that moment. I would think that you know this record that I alluded to, the hits, is is out on uh, Comedy Central Records, right? Yes, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a big label. That's a that's a uh, what would I say? That's kind of um that gives you credibility, <laughs> right? I do think it's like that. You always like find ways to feel like a fraud. You're always like, well, that's because of this, and this is because of that, and that actually isn't that good, and this is actually not that good. And like, I think if your brain is programmed to be, to want to be a stand-up comedian, I think that something is so very wrong with you, and it's either like that you're super, you're feeling overconfident all the time, or you're feeling like um, imposter syndrome all the time. And I feel like it's not like a, in that way, it's like the only reward really for doing comedy is like that immediate laugh in the room. And like the rest of it never feels quite right. Okay. Because it's like you're trained to just want that laugh in the room and everything else that doesn't quite give you that immediate like, yep. Is like you're like, what did I do? Am I doing it bad? What's happening? Am I supposed to be here? You know what I mean? Do you mean like when you're say uh, uh, the the difference between doing a stand up set in front of an audience and maybe being on a closed set for a, a, a film or TV thing, where you're like everyone has to be quiet? Like that's weird for you? Sure. Yeah. Or like a writer's room. I think everything just feels like a little. I think that. Those all these things that you're working for, these career opportunities, they do feel a little bit off once you like if you get them. Yeah, because you're just you're just so used to one kind of validation. And then when you don't get that, you're like your brain is ruined. You've ruined your brain. It's like people that go to rock concerts, their ears are terrible our brains have corroded <laughs> and that's what happens i i interviewed um pat oswald i think when um his album werewolves and lollipops was coming out and um he had just uh the the film he was in ratatouille do you know the animated yeah um, film he, he was the voice of the the main character so i always thought i said to him you know that's interesting to me that you are this foul mouth edgy comedian voicing this you know kids movie character and then we kind of talked about how um for him that kind of success or that that role wasn't uh, you know comedy wasn't a means to an end for him uh for him this just meant his comedy would be more successful like his, people would hear about that and maybe more people would come to his show so he kind of and I don't know if he still feels this way but to, for him comedy and being great at comedy and successful at stand-up comedy, that was always his main aspiration. Do, do you have a sense of that? Like, do you want to just be the best comedian? Do you want... No, no. You don't? No. Okay. No, no, definitely not. You, no. you don't have a goal, per se. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think, like, uh, there's, like, people that I really admire their career, but I think in general it's, like, such an unpredictable f- industry, and I think it's, like, you can only, you can literally only do the best you can at every opportunity that comes to you, yeah. and that's the, the only control you really have, yeah. besides, like, trying to be a decent human being and not, like, chewing people out all the time. Right. So, I... Yeah, that's kind of like, I think my goal is just to try to do the best I can in each opportunity and not try to sabotage as much as I want to. Right. And like, um, yeah. Okay. No, th- this, you know, yeah. stay in touch with my parents and like try, <laughs> try to call my grandparents once a week and that kind of thing is is kind of become a little bit more important. 
Well, listening to the hits I, and, and seeing you live, I feel like you you, you do want to make um, comedy as interesting as it can be for you. Like uh, you know, you I think you do some things that are a little uh, unusual and, and unexpected and surprising in, in a good way. This album, the hits, was recorded uh, when exactly? Do you remember? I don't know. I think 2010. It was so long ago. 2010? It's from 20- no, no. I think it's maybe a year, <laughs> a year old. Okay. Why? Why did you? Oh, I thought for real you were saying 2010. No. Okay, so it was about a year ago. And uh, for one thing that I want to ask you about, uh, beyond, uh, I, I, I remember thinking in Toronto when I saw you, oh, already knew a new set. I mean, you did kind of a shorter set on some level than the record, but you you, you already had new stuff. Uh, I don't remember you even doing anything from the record, per se. Um, and uh, so that is one thing I noticed. But the other thing I want to ask you about the hits, uh, Will, Butler, uh, who has yes. been on this show, he's a member of Arcade Fire. He is uh, your partner uh, on stage. Uh, how did that uh, come about exactly? Oh, during the hits, yeah, he's he's uh, he's really great. He let me open for him on tour, and uh, and then like we've just kind of like he's been on my podcast a couple times, and he's just really funny and like easygoing and really creative and. I just really like working with him. He's he's like a real treat to work with, and I was so glad he said yes to being on this album. And I feel like he made it a lot. Like I got kind of sick of um, my own jokes, and it was like nice to have somebody to play off of and somebody to make it a little more interesting. And I don't know, he's like pretty cool to watch on stage. He's like a really interesting performer. He moves his body a lot, and he's like got cool faces when he plays music. And I just feel like it's like. I think a lot of times when I'm on stage, I'm like, don't look at me, don't look at me. And it's like nice to have someone else on stage where it's like, oh, look at him, look at him, he's so cool. You yeah, know? You have a couple of bits about eye contact in different contexts. Uh, I'm not going to talk about both of them at all, but sure. you have a thing. Do you have an issue with eye contact? You said people looking <laughs> at you. Like, what? what, what? <laughs> no, I don't you, think You just so. think eye contact is funny? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it is pretty funny. It's just funny to look right into someone's... Are you not someone who... I find I don't always look in people's eyes. I look around when I'm talking to them sometimes, you know? Do you do yeah. That? Yeah, do I... I, yeah, I look around. Um, <laughs> wait, there's this new app called Marco Polo. Actually, I don't know if it's new, but do you know Marco Polo? Yeah, it came out in 2010. Sure. Yeah, 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he. So it's like this app where you send little video messages back and forth with your friends. Did you just say he it, he as if it was invented by Marco right. Polo? <laughs> yeah, he's, he came he's up with this man. idea. This guy was he, wild. He <laughs> he is really ahead of his time. <laughs> Sorry, what's the app? No, you? so he so basically you, he so you uh, create these little videos back and forth with your friends. It's like a walkie-talkie with videos, uh-huh. and it has been like enlightening to know what my face does while I talk to people. I really, I have, I have um, a darty, darty eyes. Yeah. Even when I'm like having a FaceTime video chat with someone, I don't look in their eyes. That's a weird, yeah, it's hard. I've noticed that too. I just don't, I look at my, sometimes I'm not, hmm, probably all of us are a little vain. Sometimes I look at my own, you know how you have the picture in picture, you can see yourself. Sure. Sometimes I am distracted by myself. Look at that handsome guy talking right now. Sure. It's weird. So that's a weird thing. Anyway, <laughs> my point here was, um, so you, you 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 opened for Will. How did you meet Will? Will's been on this show, and I'm a, uh, I, I had been a longtime uh, early supporter of, of Arcade Fire, and so we have a, a little bit of a, a relationship on some level. Uh, they're obviously, uh, uh, they've left me behind by now because they're doing, doing so well. But uh, how did you meet Will, per se? So his wife, Jenny, went to high school. We went to high school together. Oh. And I went to high school with her sister, Julie, and uh, and also Sarah Dobbs, who is in Will Butler's band. Uh, Julie and Sarah are in Will Butler's band. Mm-hmm. And I went to um, high school with Julie and Sarah. Too. Oh, okay. So it's like a St. Louis connection. Yeah. Okay, okay. And so his role on the album, The Hits, is fascinating. He's... Um, Actually, I'll let you describe it. What is it? Why? Why is he on the record? What is he doing on the record? He's providing interstitial music, and uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's that captures it. I could have said that. I don't know why I deferred to you. <laughs> I, I probably could have said that. Why did you decide that would be a fun or a good idea? I just think it could it livens things up. I like music. I wish I could sing. I wish I could dance. I cannot, and so you know, you surround yourself with people that can. 
Yeah, and I I've talked about this with comedians and musicians on this show before. I think there's a real mutual admiration society between musicians and comedians and I feel like one wants to be the other. Do you find that? You just said I wish I could sing like do you do you feel like there's a kinship there that's uh, unusual in, in terms of the arts? Yeah, I guess but you have to be like so hot to be a musician. Like you have to be so hot. You yeah. have to like show up looking really cool to all your gigs and stuff. And I I, I couldn't do that, but it would be cool to just like take a riff on a guitar, you know what I mean? Really get people moving. Do you do you play at all? Do you do anything? No, I have no skills. But you like music. Do you have like a favorite uh, artist or band? Um No, I kind of switch it. Try to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> I can't just based on what I know of you. I can't figure out. Are you like? Do you like ABBA? I don't even know what you would like. I have no idea. I do like. I like ABBA. I like um, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. That's an interesting selection. They they were good. I will say. Do you still like the Beach Boys in their current form? No, no. I don't no. think I'd go to a concert. But um, I I like listening to some of the old Beach Boys stuff. Um, I've seen Brian Wilson twice. It was, it was really yeah, it was quite good. Yeah, I saw him once opening for Paul Simon, and then the other uh, maybe a year ago, he did a headlining set where he did um, what did he do? Did he do Pet Sounds? I can't remember what. No, he did Smile. What am I talking about? He did the album oh. Smile. It was really good. It, I mean, it's a little sad. He's very um, yeah, still uh, and kind of yeah, robotic in his own you know health issues and stuff. But yeah, I like the I like the Beach Boys. I, I don't know why I picture you being like a country music person somehow. Oh no, I don't like country at all. Too sad. But, uh no, I just can't really get into. I don't like songs about beer. Well, but, that, uh, are you thinking maybe yeah. a new country? I feel like like uh, older country was very funny. I feel like you would like a. You ever listen to uh, Hank Williams, the the first Hank Williams, his dad? Maybe I'll check it out. He's funny. There, there, there's some funny stuff there. Okay, so anyway, you like music and Will's on there. What is, uh, it's a great record. Did I say that already? I love I love the hits. I'm glad. I, I'm uh, so glad. I hope that means something to you from. It does. Okay. It does. I want, I'm so I want, glad. I want people to check it out. Is there is there something coming up next for you that you can tell us about? Do you have plans beyond the uh, shows mm-hmm. and whatnot? Do I have plans? Uh, oh no! This has become an existential crisis. I didn't. Mean to... <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do shows around um, Brooklyn mostly. I think that sometimes I try to get out, but uh, yeah, got doing mostly live shows right now, and then writing a little bit. Maybe something will come up soon. As I said, uh, the since... something big, something huge, huge stuff is coming up. <laughs> As I said, the the hits. Uh, when I saw you, you weren't you were doing all new material. Do you have a sense of whether you might have another? Uh, are you close to like another sp- special or hour or something? No, oh no, I've got a long way to go. Long, but, long way to go. But yeah, that would be cool. Okay, well, uh, where can people go to learn um, more about you on? the you know stuff is it is, oh. do you have like a website do you have like a yeah you could go to joefirestone.com that's that's probably a good way to find out joefirestone.com and you're on you're on twitter but you have an unusual handle right oh yeah it's well i'm not really on twitter very much that would be kind of a i don't waste your follow on me that's not it's not quite okay up to snuff. i'll unfollow you when we're done here i didn't Please, realize, thank you i didn't realize that was the thing but it's a weird it's not firestone did you have a weird name it's King Firestorm. I yeah. think because my name was taken. So there's a there's another Joe Firestone. Well, there's somebody. I just found out there's somebody impersonating me that's trying to promote their business. So I'm gonna, trying to report them to Twitter. That's maybe what I'll do today. They're impersonating you. What's their business? No, never mind. We don't want to plug them. But that's weird. They how? But with your jokes, try to promote their business. I don't. That's... They have my picture and they have my um, cover photo and their. They have my name, and uh, they talk to the fans. They're always talking to fans. That is, explain that. I mean, what is that? They're like, hey, fans. Um, I'm I'm starting an exciting business venture. Oh my god, that's like that's yeah. identity theft. I mean, I'm, that's not even a joke. That's terrible. Yeah, so I'm trying to report them, but I don't know. I'm going to try to report them a couple times today, see what happens. Okay, well, it sounds like your day is mapped out for you. Is there a, <laughs> is there a, something from the hits that I can play for for people right now so they can uh, get a sense of the record? Is there a particular uh, 
Bit Do I, I don't have to listen to it, right? It would play after I'm off. No, we're gonna play it in. Re- yeah, of course. I, we, are you are you are you loath to hear yourself speak? Yes. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Does this mean that you're not going to experience our conversation again at some point in your life? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll think about it fondly. No, no, that's fine. I I, don't, I I have to edit it, so I'll listen to it at least one more time, and then. Uh, uh, but I, I will say I enjoyed it very much, so I don't want to. I don't want to put uh, put a negative spin on it. But yeah, okay, no, no, that's fine. I, you, if you tell me something from the hits to play, I'll just I'll add it after, and you don't have to hear. I mean, it doesn't sound like you'll hear any of this. So then, yeah, you're 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 away <laughs> scot free, my friend. You don't have to deal with it. Uh, if you pick something, I'll I'll tell people that they should hear it right now, and then we'll. We'll we'll end the end the, the interview. It'll be done. Maybe you could play an hour on raisins. An hour on raisins. You want to play the raisins bit? This is a a, a funny bit, uh, and uh, there's a callback to it. I don't know if the callback occurs in the in the same bit, but it's a uh, raisins and grapes. That's a weird. That's a weird situation, isn't it? You sure, feel, sure. Feel, it's a weird thing to have strong convictions about, too, if I might say. You seem <laughs> very adamant that one should be on team grape or team raisin. That's is that. That's fair to say. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, let's let's just play that now for people. And this is again from uh, the new album, uh, the hits. Joe, thank you so much thank for you so this much, time. Vish. I really had a good time. I hope you did too. And Me I w- too. I wish, I, I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. You too. All right. Talk soon. Um, I have a friend. I have a friend. Will's my friend. I have another friend who who told me recently that he prefers raisins to grapes. <laughs> So what can we deduce about him? <laughs> well, he's a sex offender. <laughs> what, el- what else can we learn about him if he prefers raisins to grapes? Is it- but, but Sorry, before I get into this, does anyone here like raisins? <laughs> who, who would? Who would? <laughs> you like raisins. You say, I'm hungry, I'll get a handful of raisins. <laughs> and I'm no longer hungry. <laughs> You eat them plain. Yeah. You chew them up and you love them. <laughs> swallow them. You swallow them. You'd, is it part of a meal or is it a snack? A snack. A snack. <laughs> Can I ask you what's like your what? Uh, what's another snack you like? does feel like you're a plant, but <laughs> you're not, you're not. I think everybody was like, she's going to say walnuts. <laughs> and then you did. Oh my God. No, I mean, most people, I mean, do you like, I mean, do you like raisins better than grapes? No. No. <laughs> Even walnut, girl. <laughs> like grapes better than raisins. Saying you like grapes better, saying you like raisins better than grapes is like saying you like Pamela Anderson better now. You know, it's like a same product, different time, different time in the life. It's crazy because the factories don't even like raisins. You know how they really stuff those boxes full, you know? Like the raisins practically open themselves. You ever open a bag of chips and you're like, that's not that many chips. It's like a family pack of chips, a family size of chips. You open it up, you're like, How? this is not a family size. Well, you could open a small box of raisins. You're like, this is enough for three families. This is plenty for three families. We don't, nobody likes raisins. We give them to children, we're like, it's candy, don't worry about it. We lie to them. We lie to them to get them to eat raisins. That's, guys, this is a little segment from my hour on raisins. Uh... It's only available on title. Uh, for some reason, Comedy Central did not want it. <laughs> Special thanks again to Joe Firestone for appearing on this, the 432nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms. And also on YouTube, Spotify, and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode you're looking for, or if you wish to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com, which is spelled exactly how it sounds, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me directly, at vishkana. 
You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. It's a, it's a modest endeavor. I try to put out lots of shows. Uh, I get some nice feedback in return and also pledges. And if you'd like to pledge a, a flexible monthly a donation, if you like the show and you'd like to see it keep going, I'm doing my best to keep it going. But some days I wonder. But uh, your support means the world. So I, I keep going. Again, patreon.com slash creative control thanks again to the in-kind support i received from the likes of pizza trocadero the bookshelf planet bean coffee and granddad's donuts also my friend jim guthrie uh, who is uh, partially responsible for me seeing the arcade fire for the first time in what was it 2002 or something we saw them in montreal they opened for royal city and broken social scene at the salarosa in montreal and, and jim uh, it was in royal city and he I would often road manage Royal City, so that's how I got to know the Arcade Fire people. And then they, Jim had them open for my band and his band in Toronto, the El Macombo, uh, like a, within six months of that show. And, and, and that was weird, kind of, like just knowing where they went and where, where we were. And it, uh, yeah, anyway, that's my Arcade Fire stuff from earlier. Why was I talking about this? Jim, Jim Guthrie lets me use his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come. To end this show each and every week and you can learn more about him he's a wonderful uh, young man jimguthrie.org and finally thank you very much you listening right now thank you for listening to the show giving it a nice rating or review on your podcast platform subscribing to the show downloading episodes telling your friends hey have you checked out this show I know there's lots of podcasts but this guy uh, sometimes occasionally is pretty good and you should check out these episodes not the not those ones But these ones, the ones I'm going to tell you about, they're great. If you can do that, I mean, you're doing it already. So thank you for doing that. It really means a lot. And that's all I have to say. I will talk to you very soon, though. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.